Today we start a new series in the same book. We're still in 1 Peter. But as we get to this section in 1 Peter, we're dealing with, God now says we're called to live rightly or live a certain way before believers and before unbelievers. Unbelievers comes next. But right now, it focuses on our attitudes, our actions, and our talk amongst each other. Why is that important? Because in chapter 2, he says it's all about the Lord. For the Lord's sake, be submissive in all of these things. He says... Being submissive is not about you. It's not about your position. It's not about how you feel. It's about the Lord. We say, yeah, we want to reach people for Christ. If we want to reach people for Christ, but if we're not representing God according to his way, how can we do that? And he says, in order to do that, in order to to present Christ, we have to look The part. And that's important. And so this morning we're going to be looking at this, that we're called to live right before believers and before the unbelievers. And if we don't do it with us, how can we do it with them? We have to live rightly according to God's plan. And part of that this morning is we're going to look at the destructive tongue. Um, And just a, a little side note. This is a great book. It says, if you bite and devour one another, how can we share the gospel? How can we help one another? How can we keep each other growing in the Lord if we're always biting and devouring one another? There's nothing going to be nothing left. And that's Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. And here are some biblical principles in handling conflict within the body of Christ. Great book. It's, it, you can turn it into a Bible study. You can turn it into just about anything. But it's learning God's word and using it and obeying it and watching God bless. And so, good book. You can look it up. I gave away my other two copies the other day. So, sorry, I, I don't have any extra copies. I used to have nine. And uh, after I've moved here, I've already went through all of them except for my copy. So, but anyway... This morning, we read Psalm 34 because it's actually quoted in our text in 1 Peter chapter 3. And what's interesting is we're going to read all of it in its entirety in a second. But it says, I don't know about you, but all of us, how many of you want to have a good life? Right? Yeah, some of you raised your hands like, yes, I want a good life. I want to live long, right? We talked to the children last week, and the, the God's, you know, his recipe for living long is being obedient. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. And it has a promise that goes with it. And it's the same thing. When we're obedient to God and to his word, things happen. They don't just sit there and God just say, oh, you're obedient. Good, I'm glad for you. I'm going to go ignore you. No, he releases his blessings, his joy, his peace, his love is seen and we respond differently to our circumstances. The problem is, is a lot of people in our community, they look at us and they say, well, you act like everybody else. And it just creates a disconnect 
between the reality of God's love and His joy and His peace that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we talk about Christ and it doesn't mean anything to them because your life doesn't look any different. And it's not about being religious and it's not about following all these rules. It's about your love for Christ and your love for Christ controls us. That's what he, the, the Psalms 40, 34 was all about was is that if we fear God, if we make God much of God, and if it's all about God, then He blesses and He changes you. Following a bunch of rules and religious things don't change you. But loving God more. And so this morning, we want to look at God's prescription for living right so we can deal with our destructive tongue. We're not, this is not all-inclusive. If you want more inclusiveness, then read the book. It touches just about every scripture that deals with them, our mouth and our tongue. This is not James's version. This is Peter going back and saying, oh, by the way, it says in Psalms this. And he gives his take on how do we live submissive to one another so we can be submissive to God, so we can love God, so we can enjoy the life that God has given us. This is just in our text. So this is not inclusive. We're not going to look at and go looking at every verse. We're just going to look at Psalms 34 and 1 Peter chapter 3 and look at, I love Peter, he condenses it all down into really simple terms. You'll see. Let's pray. Lord, as we read your word, I pray that we would love you. My prayer this morning is we love you with all our heart with all our soul, with all our might, with everything that we have, will we just praise you this morning as we read your word and may we not discount it just because it's hard. May we not discount it because of the circumstances surrounding our life. May we put those things out of our mind and may we just simply be in love with your words this morning that give life. Because your word is you. It's not simply a message from a pastor. My words don't matter, Lord. It's about you. And may we ask and may we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us this morning as you direct us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God's prescription. He goes on, remember the context about being submissive. In verse 8, he says, finally, I like that, he's kind of drawing some conclusions. All of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or uh, reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, bless, for this is you who were called. For this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For, it says in Psalms, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. 
Now let me just tell you something as we look at this passage this morning. Let me, let me help you understand something. All of us do evil. All of us. The Bible tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. Right? We, apart from God, we don't... Sometimes we think evil is what we read in the newspaper or... Well, I'm sorry, we don't do that anymore. It's what we read on our phones or we read on our iPad or we read on the computer or we see it if we do still watch TV. Uh, It's all the things that we see... What uh, we just, you know, if we watch Fox News, it's what we see evil in the government. If we, if we watch CNN, it's what the evil that we see in America. If we watch uh, the World News Report, it's what we see in the world that's evil, right? But we need to be honest. Apart from God, we are we have the ability because of our humanness to do evil things. And that's what Peter's getting at. He's like, guys, we have to change some things, and we have to be willing to do that. How do we do that? How do we get away from that? How do we deal with our tongue? That's a, Everybody's been trying to figure it out for years. How can I stop from talking evil about people, or slandering people, or gossiping, or, or how can I be helpful and encouraging well, Paul or Peter here gives us an idea about that. God's perspective or God's prescription for living right and dealing with the destructive tongue. Number one, here we go. I did something wrong. <laughs> ah! <laughs> It's blinking. I think the battery's died. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I thought, if I throw this, no. <laughs> Here's the, the it, we turn from evil, destructive behavior in our daily lives. You say, well, what does evil mean? See, we, we, we think, well, I'm not evil. I don't do, most of us in here don't like seek out evil things. Most. I heard one of my, I was doing a counseling situation. A guy, this lady comes in. I was really struggling. I'm, I'm struggling. I see demons everywhere and all this kind of stuff. And, and I just a flipping question. I said, what do, you watch in, what do you watch on TV? And he goes, oh, I, any kind of horror show. I just love them. I'm like, He's mm. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, this is your homework this week. Okay, turn off the TV. I'm gonna, I, give, I gave her like three DVDs. Uh, and I said, watch these and read this Psalms. And she's like, all right. Came back and I said, how was your week? Man, it was amazing. It was just, I, I felt so much better. And it was pretty amazing. Some of us are like that. We're like, okay, I, I just don't, I don't seek evil. I don't. But Peter here in our text says, look, we can't, desire evil. Evil means bad-natured. Uh, it means uh, doing things we ought not to do. Uh, and when I read that, I was like, okay, that's me. I do a lot of things that I ought not to do. Like, 
when I work on a, an engine, take my gloves off and stick my hand in there while it's running, right? And uh, you get you you find out that the muffler's hot, and then uh, there's a whole bunch of other problems. Get the gloves back on, turn it off, <laughs> pull the spark plug wire. Got shocked too, so I uh, found out why you pull the spark plug wire. <laughs> We always try to take shortcuts in life and we do things that we ought not to do. Proverbs chapter 4 is full of good things, but it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you crooked speech. Now notice, in Psalms 34, he says, If you want to have a good life, you've got you to run away from evil, and you've you got to also guard your speech. You know what's pretty amazing is you notice he, they focus, all these passages focus on your heart, the attitude of your heart, they focus on your speech, and they focus on removing evil. And it says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then in all your ways be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left, Turn your feet from evil. I know in Thessalonians it says, you know, abstain from every appearance of evil. Evil goes much deeper than just those horrific things that we see in our culture that we just say is horrible. The root of what God is telling us is living for ourselves. It's living for ourselves and disregarding God and disregarding others. One of the reasons why the church isn't reaching people for Christ is because we have a total disregard for God. We said, no, 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 pastor, I'm here. I'm sitting in the pew. I'm listening to you because I, I love God. But that's not the point is what are you like when you leave? It's amazing is this, is this, the idea is having a total disregard for God, a total disregard for others, and putting yourself on the pedestal of life. That's why in 2 Timothy 3, Paul warned Timothy, he says, in the last days, there will be, people will be lovers of themselves. And he lists a whole bunch of different kinds of evil. Living for self Seeking self-fulfillment is the first way to introduce your tongue to be free to say bad things. This is the first... Oh, it went backwards, didn't it? The, we need to turn from destructive behaviors. We want to get a control of our mouth. If we want our mouth to be filled with blessings, if we want our mouth to be filled with the gospel, then we've got to look at our attitude in life. The second thing is it requires to do good in our daily lives. As you notice there in verse 11, it says, whoever desires love, to love life and see good days, let, it, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lip from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and what? Do good. Here's a principle. When you want to stop doing something, guess what you need to do? Stop doing it and do the opposite. You want to take bad behavior out of your life, you got to put good behavior in the life. you got to replace it with something. If you don't replace it with something, then the bad behavior tempts you and comes back with a vengeance. Sometimes it comes back worse than it was before. It grows. 
right? I want my weeds to stop growing. Rather than digging to China, I'm deciding to put tarps on top of them. <laughs> and then rocks on top of them. And then mulch on top of them. Just, I want to cover them. I want to get rid of them. We want to get rid of bad behavior. You've got to replace it. You've got to take it out, put something else back in. And he tells us that in verse 8. He says, finally, all of you. I like that because he doesn't leave any of us out. He says this. It requires doing good. And the first one there says, have the unity of mind. This is gospel mindset. The gospel, the good news that Jesus died and took the place on the cross to pay for our sins so we can have life and peace with God. That is amazing news. That's what gospel is. Amazing good news. And we cheapen it all the time. It's the most amazing news anybody could ever hear. Somebody died for you to take your place to give you life and peace with God. That's what unifies. He's not telling you that all of us are going to think the same way. Let me put it this way. When God saved us from our sins, he reset our thinking to be focused on Christ, not about ourselves. That's the gospel mindset. He replaces self, you know, self-driven cultural living and he reset us to a life with Christ. That's the idea, the gospel mindset, the unity of our mind. Philippians chapter 2, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mindset? He looked at all of us and says, we're a sorry bunch. They need help. So he left heaven and came to earth to help us. And yet, many times, we see people we don't like, or they do things we don't like, and what do we do? We just stay where we are. Keep them at arm's length, at all possible. Have this gospel mindset. The next thing is, is it simply says, be sympathetic. Right? Have sympathy. Uh, do we see people that are suffering, and do we have sympathy, or do we criticize? Granted, many people have allowed themselves, they've done the things that they've done, to be in the positions. But do you, I mean, did God sit there in heaven and say they earn every, they deserve everything? They deserve to go to hell. I'm just going to watch them go to hell. Did he do that? That's right, he didn't. Thank you, Kedrick. <laughs> I heard this little, no. Um, he said, no. He had sympathy for us. Now, granted, we have to respond to his call. We have to respond to the gospel. But we're so quick to criticize people in church rather than just Love them the way that God has loved you. To be sympathetic. You see the next one there? I call it family love. Now some of you have a hard time loving your family, but they're still your family. Right? Brotherly love, that's the idea here. Brotherly love or phileo that familiar type love, that, that friendly type love. That means it's, it's to be family, to love one another. We got to be doing good. We got to have a gospel mindset. We have to have sympathy. We have to have a family type love. We have to love each other with all costs so that way we're tender at heart. 
Can you say that you're tender? That you're tender like when you see something you don't like, does it, does it make you angry or does it cause you like, oh. And then make you, no, I'm just joking. Are you tender? Is there a tenderness in the church? You know, that's the thing. When we went and shared the gospel with Allah, he was the tenderness of which Ingrid kept bugging him about the gospel. That this was important. But she, she was, she's concerned about his soul. Tenderness. And all that binds it all together is humility. So how do, what, what kind of good do we, does, he says, get away from evil, remove it, and do good. In verse 8, he gives us all the things that we're supposed to do. If, if you elevate this virtue above all things, it'll help you have all the other virtues. Sometimes we think we're so important because of all that we do or all that, you know, look how good we are. I, again, I'm trying, no, I don't want to offend you, but I'll just tell you, we're not good. We need to stop thinking from a top-down approach, and we need to get back down to the grassroots and realize that God is good. We are not. Present God to everybody. Stop trying to present yourself. Humble yourself. I like what, what did Jesus do? Philippians chapter 2. He humbled himself. He became obedient even to death on the cross. And what did it say? And then God, what did God do? God raised him up that his name will be above all names. I loved going to, I went to two memorials this week. It was such a blessing to spend time with Jeanette at, at uh, Darren's dad's uh, memorial. And man, I tell you what, I don't think I heard the, I, I think I heard the name of Jesus more this week than any other week at those two memorials. Everybody that got up to speak, mostly his, his uh, Darren's relatives, his, or his siblings, they all, to the, to the one, said it's all about Jesus. It's not about, if, if we we're going to promote my dad, it's got to be about Jesus. And it was amazing. Same thing with the other memorial I attended yesterday. And it was amazing as I got to preach the gospel. And I said, if I'm going to do the service, I have one rule. And that is, I have to preach about Jesus. I have to talk about the gospel. I have to talk about what he's done for us. And they said, if you don't, we'll fire you. (laughs) I was like, praise the Lord. I love this family. And it was all about Jesus. Why? Because God has exalted him. Because he was willing to be obedient and humble himself. We need to take a clue and imitate Christ. It requires, the third thing is there is that it requires us, if we're going to get a handle on the way we talk and, and, get, and deal with this destructive member of our body, the tongue, it requires that we don't retaliate in our daily lives. We can't retaliate and just, if somebody says something hurtful, you can't just go say something hurtful back. It doesn't work that way. 
when, when Jesus was beaten, I mean, just what he received before the cross was humiliating enough. The slander, the spitting, the beat, and he didn't say a word other than the fact that they said, are you claiming to be God? Yes, I am. <laughs> That's the only thing he said. And I'm glad that he's God because he, because he was God. He was able to save us. The problem with churches many times is they're so focused on themselves. And, and whenever they see an injustice, they just retaliate. And they cloister and they get so focused on themselves. And they're like, well, we're, I'm so glad I'm not like them. And, and, they, and they stop talking to people about Jesus. And the church becomes just about them and it has nothing to do with Christ. Are, are we the reason people don't come to Christ? Is it because we retaliate? Do you retaliate by not spending time with someone? Do you retaliate by the way you talk about them? Do you retaliate by the refusing to go somewhere with them? Or here, let me put it this way. Do you retaliate by not praying for them? Do not repay evil for evil, 1 Peter 3, 9 says. We are not to retaliate insult for insult. I like, here's the, here's the thing, is Proverbs 15. This one, I have to beat myself over the head with this one. Because I, by my natural tendency, growing up was to retaliate. I was that small, scrawny kid that felt like he always had to prove himself. I, I played defensive line just to prove that I, a skinny, scrawny kid could do it. I got laid out so many times, probably why I don't play football anymore. I had so many concussions and broken bones. It was dumb. Proverbs 15, 1 through 4 says this, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up strife. The tongue of the wise commends uh, commends knowledge, but the mouths of the fool pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. The gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perversiveness, but uh, perversiveness in it breaks the spirit. Is your mouth, is the things that come out of your mouth, especially when somebody does something you don't like, is it retaliating? Are you, is, your, is, your, is your attitude retaliatory or is it one of gentleness? I find that just as an application to this, I find that reading it through the Psalms in my mind, quoting verses in my mind, focusing on Christ and saying, Lord, I'm so thankful that you have saved me because I am just a sinner and I, and I am just as sinful as the people that I believe are sinning against me. Change my heart to be a heart like yours. Do you pray like that to you that, you, that you're just as bad as the people around you? Because until you realize that, you won't present Christ to anybody the way Christ presented himself to us. A soft answer. I love Jesus all the time. You know, right? There are shouts and people are shouting and trying to stone. And, and, and he says, look, who, he who, sinned, cast the, who is without sin cast the first stone. Now, we, 
overuse that too much because the next verses are the important part. What did he do? He went to the lady, confronted her in her sin in a soft voice in her ear and says, now go and do not sin. Right? He was soft about it. He was gentle, but he was truthful. We can do that. We can be soft. We can be gentle. We can be truthful. We need to apply James, be slow to speak, quick to listen. It requires, if, if we're going to get control of our, our, our tongue and we're going to stop speaking evil, if we're going to do good, we're going to spread for the Lord's sake so people hear the gospel, we need to, uh, it requires that we don't use destructive and deceptive words in our daily lives. You've got to cut it out. Ephesians 4.29, only that which is wholesome or the, which is useful for the building up of one another. The whole point, what Peter is saying to the church is, guys, we have to be obedient to this. We can't just say, oh yeah, I, it's okay, that's just part of my attitude or that's just my makeup. No, we've got to remove these, the evil We've got to remove the bad behavior, the destructive behavior, the destructive talk, the deceptive words. He uses, he says in verse 10, he says, speaking deceit. Referring to manipulation, to deceiving, to misleading, to distorting the facts. You know, right? Manipulating people to believe one thing when the reality is something else just because we want people to like us. Or we want people not to like somebody. Right? That's what a lawyer's job is. He's basically saying, stop lawyering. Right? Stop trying to get people to your side so you win the vote. We want people on God's side. In conclusion, Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Proverbs 18, 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Do you want to offer death or do you want to offer life? Ourself will always offer death, but Jesus offers life. Do not repay evil for evil, he says. Bless, right? Do you know what blessing means here? It's the word to eulogize. To praise, to celebrate with praise, to invoke blessing, to eulogize. He says, look, you need to eulogize people. Instead of speaking evil and deceitful about people, you need to eulogize people. Now that is a stark contrast. I don't know about you. That's hard. Well, start by doing what it says in verse 8. So you can eulogize people. Are you eulogizing yourself or are you eulogizing Christ? Are you eulogizing yourself or are you eulogizing the people around you? Do you want people to come to Christ? To live eternity with Him? To be, to be free from the wrath of God that's going to send people to hell because of their disdain and Choosing to live life apart from God? Did you, did you see this? He says, <laughs> pursue, he says, and 
instead, on the contrary, bless. For to you, this is what you're called to do, that you may obtain a blessing. Do you want to be blessed? Well, then start blessing people. We are called to be a blessing to those that are in the family of God, to think better of others. Do you think better of others or do you look at the worst in others? We are to entrust our words to the Lord. I can't spend enough time, but look at Paul and Barnabas. Acts, right? Or in Acts, I didn't write it down, but it's in, I think it's Acts 15.36. Did you know that they had a big disagreement? They had a huge disagreement. In fact, it says they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. But they didn't say anything about each other. In fact, later on in ministry, Paul goes, hey, by the way, that person that I did not want to come with me, Mark is useful for the ministry. Why do you think he even knew about Mark? When he didn't even, in, in, in Acts 15, he didn't want Mark to even go with him in the, in the ministry. But God used that to go out and more missionaries were sharing the gospel. Another idea of sending and scattering, right? When we leave God out of the picture and operate our lives independently of Him, of His guidance... It allows for our destructive, selfish nature to take control. And the first thing we see is not only does it take control of our attitude and our mind, but it takes control of our tongue. If we want the church to grow, if we want to be the church that God desires, we need to fit this prescription of a believer. To run from evil, do good, and get it out of our mouth. Bless those around us. Seek the good of others. So that way people see Christ in us. Guys, we can know this. But it does no good if we don't do what it says. If we want people to get saved, we've got to follow God's prescription. It doesn't work. You can't be in the world and of the world and bring people to life. It's not going to happen. We need to be in the world, but of Christ and obedient to Him. And we'll see God save people. Lord, I just thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray with all my heart that we would not be a church focused on ourself, which leads to destructive behavior. Oh, Lord, that tomorrow, next week, that we would have many Allahs that would be open to the Word of God, that would be open to Christ, to the name of Christ, that they would say, yes, we need Christ. That they would know who that even is. That it's not about a person in history. It's about the Lord that we serve who is alive, who is active, who changes lives. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
that we take this recipe of living and we would honor you and live this way and fear you, be in so awe of you that we would represent Christ. Lord, oh, someone here may not even know and say, yeah, I know Jesus, I've heard Jesus, I've heard Christ, but Lord, I, I pray that they'd realize that what you did for them, Lord, that they would say, oh, yeah, I've been trying to get a good life. I've been trying to take care of my life. I've been trying to do good, and I want a better life, but I've been stuck. And Lord, if they'd realize that it's not about their trying and doing. They can never do good enough. We can do good things, but we're never good enough. Because, Lord, you are a holy God. You're perfect. We'll never measure up. We'll always be in trouble. But you sent to your son, you, you came yourself to do what we cannot do, to live a perfect life and to sacrifice yourself to pay a debt that we could never pay. We could never be good enough. Oh, Lord, if someone's sitting here and say, Lord, I need you, that they right now, as I'm praying, that, Lord, you would convict their heart and, and that the Holy Spirit would speak to them and that they would respond and say, yes, I need you, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need you. And they would confess and that they believe with all their heart that they would say, yes, I need you. Thank you for giving me this wonderful gift of life. Right now, Lord, if there's someone here that they would respond to you. And Lord, I pray that the pattern of our life would follow you so we'd remove these destructive attitudes and behaviors. The first one being our tongue. And Lord, if someone here has been struggling, I, I pray that, Lord, right now that they wouldn't believe the lies of, of the evil one and say, oh, I'm horrible. I'm, I'm, and they would stop and they'd say yes to you, Lord, and say, yes, I need to do what's right. I'm going to do what's right. That they would simply respond to you and say, I, I'm going to love you more than I love myself. And that they would stop focusing and being fearful of making mistakes. And that they would just simply fear you. That they'd love you, be in awe of you. Not fearful as in fearful for their life. That, that they would just love you more than their life. And that they would respond to you and say, yes, I'm going to start practicing those things. To get rid of my destructive behavior that leads to destructive talking about people. So that way I can replace it with good news and things about Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would use those people right now that come to you and confess to you that you would use their mouth for your glory. That we'd see people come to Christ. Lord, right now as we sing, I pray that you would just do your work in all of our lives and convict us to just be more in love with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.